everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. We have the full crew today. Been very difficult. Can't even remember the last time the three of us have been able to get on board for this. Um, Barish is in here. He's still devastated about no Dusan Vlahovic. Matt Santangelo is in here, um, fending off the Milan Twitter, I don't know, circus would be a nice way of putting it. Um, But yeah, we're back. Uh, We try and do these as often as we can now. It's been really difficult, but we're excited to just talk some transfer news, mostly going to be about Serie A this episode, obviously, after what everything happened last night with that breaking news. First and foremost, Matt, Pet, how are you guys? Doing well. Um, Yeah, it's obviously the frenzy of the January transfer window. Things are really heating up at the tail end here. Uh, Maybe Lonner going to get some small time Serbian prospect. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit annoying to see some of the other teams spend, but you know, it is what it is. I'm you not know, the last player that Milan got from Kravena Svesa, who's also Red Star. Do you know the player? Stankovic? Savicevic. Uh, okay. Famous for his, well, most well known for his goal against Barcelona in the 94 final. Yes. So, um, but yes. So, I mean, again, so highly rated for a 17-year-old, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, whatever impact he'll make, it's not this year. Uh, who knows? Pet. I'm good, as you mentioned, just um, reflecting on a tough January for Arsenal. I was at the game on Sunday. I was at the game on Thursday, and I was watching a team that looked pretty, pretty defeated, shattered, and needed some help. And... Uh, well, the help that we were most linked with um, in the likes of Arthur on loan, in the likes of Dusan Vlahovic, both seem to not really be happening, especially with Vlahovic, which we'll talk which we'll did talk you, about to you, Which we'll, we'll talk about that right now. Sure. Honestly, did you really think he was going to Arsenal? Like, in your, in your heart of hearts, if you knew, <clears throat> like, you didn't actually think that was going to happen, did you? Um, I, I thought there was a chance. I think that the way Arsenal have conducted business over the last... I want to say 18 months since Odegaard came on loan from Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. I don't think Arsenal are any longer the type of club to pursue players that don't want to want to go there. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the, the, there was an agreement with Fiorentina um, and then it was about an agreement with his agency, his, uh, his agents who, who seem to be like a bunch of you know, his mates or whatever, they're looking to get a big payday pretty much. Cronies. And there was, there's a good Arsenal account called Arsenic that hasn't tweeted since about, I don't know, like July, like I hadn't tweeted since, since Odegaard was made permanent to Arsenal. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not in, I'm not, I'm not one to believe in, in the no crowd, right? Like there's very few people that have good sources in football, but he tweeted something like, uh, he tweeted from, from a weird source in Italy, but the, the source basically said that, his entourage, Lahavich's entourage, had a deal with Juve, uh, like a verbal agreement or equal, even a contractual one, which I don't know how legal that is. But essentially, the, the, the thing was that they would have asked more from Arsenal to break this pack that they had with Juve financially um, and, and then get him to go to the Premier League. And I guess for him, it's like... I, if I was the player, I would have stayed till the summer and then had my pick. I guess he wants to break goal-scoring records in Syria. Like I think he's made that clear. So yeah, I mean logically, like it, it, the, the the thing the thing makes sense. I think 
for me, if I look at like the track record of Juventus and young players, Kulisevsky, he was um, behind Harlan and Sancho. Like you, you guys know, I was really high on him. He was highest. He had the most goals and assists for a teenager behind Sancho and Harland at that time. Um, went to Juve, pretty much dissipated. Nothing happened. Um, Chiesa's been pretty successful, but again, pretty up and down. benedeski has gone there been a bust. Arthur's gone there, not done much. Delict's gone there, been, you know, it looks like he wants to go already. So I, I, I kind of got waiting till the summer. I don't really get moving to Juve now, but I guess if you're going to net 7 million euros a year, his agents are happy with whatever crazy fee they're getting. And if you're going to get... For him, I get, uh, for him, I get it. It makes sense anytime you're able to upgrade on a club. For me, Fiorentina, it doesn't make sense. Why, like... Why are you turning down offers in August that are around the same amount from Atletico and then accepting it in January when you're having your best start to a season in years? We're talking about them being in the conversation for a European spot, Matt. And Camiso sits here after that article, I don't know if you read it, where he's talking about how he wants to be known for decades after he's gone in in Florence as this guy who save the club but again he has sold their best player to a club that all the fans hate the media over there despises him he's at war with them and a known juve fan has sold yet another top player to juve fair price they're getting the cash and the money properly we'll see what happens with the formula but again i mean for me good move for dusan he's getting proper money for what he wanted um, he's moving to a much bigger club. There's no discussion about that. Whether or not they could help him and create a lot within that squad remains to be seen um, because they still have some holes to fix. But as of right now, I, I think it was silly to me that Fiorentina kind of gave up on this season because they still could have gotten a good price over the, su- the summer. And again, I understand could have gotten more in salary, but the way it goes with, you know, players and agents wanting to wait till their contract expires for more commissions, et cetera. It's kind of what you're going to be seeing with a lot of these guys. Um, But Matt, I mean, from the Fiorentina perspective, and then you go into Juve, to me, it just doesn't make sense. They made some pretty good additions. I thought they could have easily gotten a Europa league spot if they kept with what they had on top of the additions that they got. Um, Time will tell on how this will go, but there's no doubt that Juve is getting something pretty pretty important for what they're trying to build because they've been stripped down of a lot of the things that made them so successful for the past decade. So it's a big boost for them. I mean, look at the attack, right? I think obviously you see what the fallback is, uh, not the fallback, but the, um, the, the what's, who's the collateral damage in this sort of transaction, right? Because we knew that Juventus have... Um, not the best financial situation, right? Everything was brought up around the Ronaldo situation in the past summer and how that was was really important to shed his wages and it kind of provided them some financial relief to mm-hmm. you know, maybe pay Dybala a little bit more, re-up this player, and you go on the market and spend a little extra for this guy. And I think that's what you're seeing now, right? I mean, Juventus didn't have a busy summer. I think they were starting to get their ducks in a row and they realized that the cycle was changing, right? They're going to need central defenders. Bonucci's older. Chiellini's older. You know, you start looking at the fullback positions. That needs, a, that needs retooling. The midfield needs work. Really, the, the biggest area that they have as, as far as strength goes 
is their attacking options going forward? I mean, Dybala, Blahovic, and Chiesa, that's, your, that's a big three. That's three premium attacking players at very different phases of their career, right? But when I look at just Vlahovic going to Juventus in general and the timing of this move from Fiorentina, Vlahovic, and everyone involved, it's not surprising to me that he's going to Juventus. The timing maybe a little bit, yes, because to your point, I thought that maybe he would want to stay and see if he can maybe bring Fiorentina to the Europa League and then set off in the sunset and say, hey, I did this. Let me get my dream move. You know what I'm saying? And they would be, it would be a little bit less chaotic. But you could see the the reaction from the ultras, right? They're 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 outraged because not only is he going to a team that they despise, another player from Fiorentina going to a team that they despise mid-season, and you can't replace Vlahovic, right? He's 17 goals. Juventus has a club at 34. They're fucked. So guys, they're fucked. It's going to provide a massive boost for them. I know they are. They did get Piontek. They they got Ikone <laughs> um, as a winger. Um, they do have some good pieces elsewhere. I think Amrabat might be going to Tottenham because I think Conte really likes him. Can, so, I, can, I, make, can I make one counterpoint though, Matt? Like, yeah, sure, go. If you sell Vlahovic for 75 million euros and you know he's not going to resign and you have Piontek coming in, who we don't know, maybe he starts firing again, and you get someone like Arthur Cabral that they're linked with today mm-hmm. for about 12 million euros... You're not going to replace him like for like from a goal scoring no. perspective. Uh, I remember when we sold Van Persen, we bought Giroud and Podolski because there was no one player that we could bring in to supplement right. the goals. So you spread out the goals. You try and yeah, get you goals s- from multiple guys. Yeah, you, you spread out the goals. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be a masterstroke, but when Martino said, oh, why didn't they send him the summer? Like if you can get the same price and you get six months of him and he helps you get to where you are in the league right now, I kind of get it, and and you have that six months to try and hope that he resigns. He doesn't, and now you you, you move on. Yeah, he told him no to the renewal a while back, too. Yeah, well, he did, he did. But I think I think what people have to understand too, and and people saying why is it always um, Fiorentina sound to Juve? There's got to be something fishy going on here. Why is it always? Bernadette, like, like you got to understand. If you have a premium player, there's, there's the the Premier League is the outlier. That's the exception, right? Not the rule. If you have a premium talent, you know Kulisevsky, right? At the time, thirty five million. At that time, who is affording him for thirty five million? No one. That's because, what everybody doesn't get, man. Let me, it's let, me, let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me just continue here real quick because that's what people are trying to make as a thing here, right? Chiesa, the same thing. Even if Vlahovic was like, I want Milan, because there was the link in the summer. There was 50, 60 million. That was a figure that was being thrown around. We talked about it on, on Milan reports. We had Vito. He gave us some information that that's, that was their, their, their price that they were looking for for Vlahovic last summer off the, the good second half he had. There's so much leverage and player power now than ever before. Players are willing to run down their contracts. Eh, I don't need, I don't need, I'm not going to force a move. I'll run down my contract, and then I'll have the pick of the litter for – this club to come in. If this club has an injury, they got overpaid for me to get this. So the point I'm trying to make is that there's nothing going on here. If you want to talk about the fishiness with Juve having selling Primavera players with no experience for 25 million, then fine. That's you have a leg to stand on there. Mm. But there's if, if if a player is worth 70 million, 80 million is being linked to all the top clubs, Inter aren't getting him, right? Because they have Lautaro, they have Jekyll, they're not going to spend for a stri- another striker, right? Not a that. Milan man. who can't afford him, they would love to. So who else in Italy, if he wants to stay in Italy, is going to afford him? Mm-hmm. It's That's just how it works. It's the same thing in the Premier League, right? Within reason. There's a lot of teams that can afford him. But how many times if there's a premium player that's available, it's Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool. 
Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool. If a player wants to stay in Spain, who is it? Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. That's just how it is. That's how the game is. The money is just so heavily favoring the bigger sides that they're the only teams that can afford the premium top talent for those who want to stay domestically. That's just how it is. That's that's the funny thing to me. And how many times have you and I have said that we've been doing this for five years now, right? How many like and it's not even to disrespect Juve and what they've built. But you know how much fucking easier it is when it's just you? You could do the same thing in Bundesliga. All credit to Bayern for putting themselves into that position where they can easily poach top players within the league, right? Like Upamakano, another perfect example over the summer. Guy wants to go stay, goes to the best club in the world, best run club in the world, in my opinion, in terms of success, trophies, and actual players that they bring in, right? And... Like, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, is it impressive to an extent? Sure. But is it that hard to sit there and say, hey, we need a striker. Vlahovic is available. We have funds for this. And he doesn't want to leave the league. Who's your competition? Like, you're not going to have an issue doing that. It's not there's difficult. No, there's it's no not. City. There's no There's no one like that. Like, if Liverpool was interested and then you got City or Chelsea jockeying with you. If Milan and Inter were in positions where they were heavily in the striker market, then it's yeah. a three-team race. It was Agreed. Juventus really battling with themselves because mm-hmm. at the, you knew once he turned down Tottenham Arsenal, you're like, okay, well, he clearly only wants to stay in Italy. So who's the only team? It's Juventus. Yeah, I think I think the other one was uh, Madrid, but we all know. Atleti- Atletico. Well, Atletico as well, Atletico but like, was... you know. I but, but also, like, at the same time, why, if you're a young, talented forward, and I've said this before, why the fuck would you want to go there? They're terrible. Yeah, but also, also I, d- I don't know how much money they're, they're, they've got, right? Like, they are signing Reynaldo, Reynaldo from Lille on a free in the summer, you know? Like, and he's 28 going on 29. He's a fairly decent defensive left back uh, that won the league with them last season. And he's okay. Like, he's not, he's not a world beater. But that's the, si- that's the type of signing that Atletico are making. Like, do we really think they're going to they're gonna cough out 75 I mean, that to be too... Yeah, well, that was at the time. And then, again, yeah. you know, they go for DePaul really late in the window and they got him. Yeah. And that was kind of a pretty penny. But to me, I think the question is, uh, at this point, Pet, for you, how successful is he? Because a lot of people are saying he's not far off from Erling Holland. Um, and I think it's kind of the point that they were trying to make was relative to the price and the cost that he will um, be for these clubs, right? Commissions, fee, uh, bidding war, the wages, uh, all, all that stuff compared to what you're paying for Vlahovic. The skill gap, according to some people, isn't that big. I think Holland is much, much better. I totally agree with that. Like, I don't think many people will disagree with that. But would you rather have Dusan for the price he just went to to Juve or everything that Holland is going to cost you? And dealing with Mina Raiola, right? Correct. Well, that's and, that's what I'm factored in with. And, and I think, look, like, I mean, this might be a, a good segue to talk about Juve and Arsenal because I think this, and I think this hasn't been talk, talked about enough. Um, there is definitely something going on between Arsenal and Juve, there's some sort of chess match going on in the sense that they are in for the same players. They're talking to each other about, like, you know, Juve have always been big admirers of Thomas Partey. Arsenal want Arthur on loan. There's been conversations about other players in the past. You know, there's the Ramsey link. Um, Vlahovic has chosen to go to Juve over Arsenal. Arsenal very well reportedly in for them. They're both chaining, chasing Bruno Gomes. So... It's like they're looking for the same positions and their technical directors are snooping for the same type of players. 
that there is something going on there. And I think the reason why Arthur to Arsenal hasn't happened on the first day of the window is because they're in for Vlahovic. They're both in for Bruno Gomeres. So I'm very interested to see where that goes. And, you know, Juve are clearly mm-hmm. shuffling the pack. You know, Benton Core is linked with Villa. They're linked to uh, Nate Nandez today um, on mm-hmm. a 2 million loan and a 50 million obligation, who I think is a great player. He's the exact type of player that, you know, can make that step up into the top six. And they're linked with a host of other... Delict might leave in the summer. Um, we, still know, we still don't know what's going to happen with Debar. Which is situation. interesting with the finances because Chiesa's is due. Matt, I also believe Locatelli is due. Sorry to interrupt, Pep, but like that's like we add up all these figures now. We're talking about, you know, 70, 60, and then we're looking Locatelli was around 35, 40 million. Like, so, so I saw something that was quite interesting. I don't know if Swiss Ramble retweeted it or if it was someone talking about it in a Swiss Ramble thread. Okay. And they said that the big from some accounting reason i think it's probably bullshit uh, like, <laughs> or to me it's bullshit anyway because they'd already accounted for um ronaldo's wages over the next two years which were 30 million euros net each year and they sold him for 30 million mm. a lot of people are saying that they basically have a 90 million cushion just because of him leaving and now I don't know how legit that is. Like, I'm sure there's many creative accountants in, in football, right? Like, we've seen how PSG bend the rules. We've seen, like, what the fuck Barca are doing. We've seen uh, Man City get sponsored by entities that are owned by the same company that owns Man City. Like, do you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. But they, when there's a will, there's a way. And I kind of highly doubt that Juve aren't going to be able to move some of these players on and basically just about get get the amount of money required to, to kind of budget for these players. The biggest, the big thing too, is that and this is my final point on everything because it's all intertwined, right? Like you look at some players that Juventus could sell just to kind of offset the cost of bringing in Vahovic increased wages, offset the cost of a potential Dybala pay increase. Bernadeschi is going to leave for free. I don't see where a new deal happens there with the type of attackers they have. He can go somewhere else in Italy, do pretty well, probably get a starting role. Right. I mentioned him for Milan and people killed me for it, but whatever. It's really not a bad idea. People That's really not a bad idea. You can play a little, listen, you can play a little wide. You can play as a number 10, but I digress. Right. Um, <laughs> then, then, then you look, then you look at their position with Chiellini's year to year. Yeah. You look at the, 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 Alexandro, is, is he going to be sold? Are they going to get somebody else in there? Maybe prioritize Luca Pellegrini. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I start looking at where they can offset and shed players i mean fagioli in the midfield is a nice talent but let's face it they're a team that doesn't really give opportunity to young players homegrown players unless they're like otherworldly so they'll sell players they will and some may be shady for some people but it, this as a standalone deal there's there's no shadiness to it we, we talked mm, about no. it I'm not going further. so yeah. i i just wanted to move a little bit towards arsenal because i think Juve and, and them are the two teams that are in the headlines from a transfer perspective. If you haven't realized by now, we are doing like a transfer episode. <laughs> um, I, I want to get you, obviously I've been like so engrossed in, in the, the kind of Arsenal links at the moment. Um, they're linked from a, from a striker perspective. Cause I think center mid, I kind of doubt that that's going to happen this window. Oh, I know they yeah. want to do it, but um, they are linked with Matt Turner from the U S which I think is, is pretty interesting. Um, but obviously as a, as a second choice, um, goalkeeper so that's not that bigger bigger move I mean it's a huge move for him 
mm-hmm. big move for the for, for an American player, but um, you know, slight digression there. Central <laughs> midfield, the options are you know Douglas Luiz, Ruben Neves, and Bruno Gomes. Obviously, Arthur on loan. I think that's a bit of a strange one, especially if you open the door for Juve to, to buy Bruno Gomes. Again, some chess going on there. But up top, I mean, they're linked to Dominic Calvert Lewin. Alexander Ishak, and they are linked to Jonathan David predominantly. Those are the three that are basically within the cluster of the Vlahovic's, basically, that, that most people that are trying to find a striker are looking at in the under-23 category. And now, Martina, you and I have basically, in the past, gone through transfer markets, valuation of under-23 strikers. And once you get past Haaland, Bappe, Osman, now Vlahovic, who's kind of creeping into that as well with Osman, I think they're the two behind behind the big two mm-hmm. the, the 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 drop is pretty pretty big so i i want to get your perspective like of those three who do you think fits best for a for a team like arsenal i really like Isak for you that may like out like it i think he makes the most sense um i think he's the most proven player calvert lewin as well when you get into like the finances of this i think everton's really going to give you a decent price like seriously like they're they're not going to do that in my opinion. No, I mean, in, uh, inter, inter-Premier League <clears throat> signings now are the hardest they've ever been because, yeah, look, like, what do you need to put? You've got to pay 100 million for Jack Grealish, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You've got to pay 25 million pounds for Luca Dean. Like, come, like, it, I, what is Dominic, don't, don't, don't even get me started with this, what is, with this shit. Um, what is Dominic Cavalooing going to cost? It's going to cost, you know, 60, 70. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, new management coming in there as well to Everton. So interesting to see how they value things. Do they want to blow it up and start off with their own players? Um, listen, I think Isak, Isak is not going to be cheap either. Straight, like straight up, not going to. Yeah. Um, I think probably around 60 to 70. Dusan's sale automatically raises the floor of every other striker that's yeah. out there. That includes all the way down to Jonathan David types as well. Um, for me, I think Isak's the best. I think... I think he can do it all in terms of a modern forward. He could, he's really good with build-up play. I thought he was the best player for Sweden. Um, in my opinion, I found him the most impressive at the Euros, even though the whole team as a unit, I thought, played well. Um, but again, I think he's able to score a lot of goals. I think he could. I think he has the capability of bagging 20 in the Prem. And if it's not, we're talking about over 20 goal contributions, which is something you'll take, right? Um, I think he'll play really well off of your wing players, um, it's just really about what do you do with that midfield to support him? That's the bigger question in my mind. Uh, it's not really about what kind of striker could fit in this because you also have to get rid of the two guys you have. I, are you like, it's, it's funny because Arsenal have a lot of holes, but you also have to pay big for a player to fill that type of position. But my question, I kind of like I'm countering with another question is like, how much can you really afford to spend if you were to drop a ton on Isak? Like, what, what's, what's the move after that? Are you really able to put a lot towards the midfield because a couple more bodies? Is it going to be quality over quantity? Like, which one is it? Because I don't think they're going to do the thing where they're sitting here saying, we can get Isak, we can get more talented midfielders. You're probably going to get the Terea money as well, right? Mm. Um, so that's around, like, what, 15 million euros? Yeah, I, I think like it that. was. Yeah, yeah, no. So again, I I think that's they're gonna the get move. Tw- they're going to get twelve million 
euros for Guendouzi as well. So that's that's a bit of money. I, well. I I think you I think you put it towards the striker. I I, I really do because what are your other options? You have yeah. none. You yeah, sit around no, and wait, and and who's it going to be? Calvert Lewin. I wouldn't pay that money for him. I like him. He's not worth over forty five, in my opinion. Million yeah, dollars. I mean, I guess he scored sixteen non Premier League goals, non penalty Premier League goals last season. So, I mean, that's a pretty good return for an Everton team that that weren't the best. But I, I look at Ishak. I really like his qualities. I'm a bit scared on the physicality side. I mean, I was there on Sunday and. You know, you've got Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky as centre backs for Burnley, who are actually pretty good. And hey, yeah, good. but your boy Lukaku is a strong guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying, though, right? Like, it's it's a it's a different. Like, I watched, um, you know, the last 20 minutes of Spurs v Chelsea, uh, Chelsea which you know, Spurs were horrible. They are horrible. We know that. <laughs> but like, again, like you're playing against Eric Dyer and then like two other big centre backs in Tanganga and and, and Sanchez. Don't know how so, Dyer still gets minutes. Just to be yeah, honest. Is awful, but like it's it's tough physically, right? Look look at the size of Lukaku, and you know he's struggling. Like um, Lacazette is someone who has like super good body strength and like a low center of gravity, so holds off defenders really well. But he's physically quite bad in terms of endurance. So shit finisher, yeah, not a good finisher either. I think like Ishak, if he comes to the Premier League, probably needs to put on about six to ten kilograms. Um, I th- the thing is, though, I think there's room for two strikers at Arsenal because Aubameyang's going to go one way or another. Lacazette's up in the summer. Eddie Nketiah's up in the summer. Nicola Pepe is probably going to leave in the summer if a deal can be done. I don't know who's going to take on that £150,000 a week contract. But again, like like all things, people seem to be willing to give players second chances. I mean, I was kind of shocked to hear that, you know, there's Milan... Juventus, PSG, and a few others in for Aubameyang if Arsenal can subsidise some of the wages and also teams in Saudi Arabia, whatever happens there. Um, mm. I I I think there's going to be one striker now, uh, whether it be perm or loan, and then another striker in the summer. Uh, but central midfield-wise, I don't know. I really like Bruno Gimraes, uh, but again, it's another one that looks like, could he maybe go to Juven? Would that be another kick in the teeth? Um, so going to have to wait and see. I just think the one last thing, this is my just my, my, my one take, and I, I, I harp on this very often. Um, I think people, it's easy for people to say Arsenal needs a striker, Milan needs a striker, this team needs a striker, so on and so forth. But they don't, I don't think they really comprehend how difficult it is in this market when there are so very few premium strikers and the market's so high for them that you start losing out on who actually can afford them. So it's it's difficult to fill that role adequately. So you start taking that next tier, you start compromising, and you start moving down the pecking order. Like, for example, people are saying, oh, Arsenal, what about Skamaka? Probably a good player. I mean, maybe, but he's, doesn't, the Italians don't have the track record in, in England. Yeah. Is he really the guy to lead your front line at Arsenal? Pat, you don't. You probably watch a little bit of him. You probably think he's a, a yeah, decent yeah. little prospect. He's good. But do you have, would you have the confidence in him? He's the guy for forty to fifty minutes. Uh, well, the, the thing the thing is though, I think there's a there's a thing about like okay, so let me put it this way: Skamak is really good. He's not elite tier. He could get there. He could become one of the best strikers in the world. He could be Italy's leading number nine for the next five, six, seven, eight years, whatever everyone's talking about. But I think it can make a big difference to a team that's between 7th and 4th to upgrade mm-hmm. on a position. What I mean by that is, yeah. let's take Chelsea. They spent £70 million on Kepa. Mm-hmm. Awful signing. He's been crap, right? 
They brought Edouard Mendy, who is a good goalkeeper. I don't think he's world-class. I think he's good. But that improvement on the fundamentals made him a lot better. Look at Milan, right? I always say this example. You went from Bakayoko to, um, you know, Tonali, Kessie, Benacer, and Bakayoko being like the fourth option. And look, is Frank Kessie, is Tonali that much better than Bakayoko? They are better, but they're not like three, four tiers above. And that incremental improvement mm-hmm. throughout the squad can really make a difference. And now with a player, with a, with a position like up top or in midfield or at back or in goal, when you make a transition from above average to good or great, that can really move the needle. It really can. And so I'm not saying that Vlahovic is world-class or Skamaka is amazing, but I think that Arsenal have a player in Lacazette or Eddie Nketiah, who are decent strikers. But that's it. Like, Eddie Nketiah is probably going to have a Premier League career where he scores, like, you know, 10 goals a season off the bench for a team, or he starts for, like, a relegation candidate team and scores maybe 12 goals. Lacazette is probably going to go somewhere, get a three-year contract, and maybe score 12 to 15 goals a season. They are decent to good strikers, nothing more. Kind of same with Giroud, right, at Mm -hmm. Milan. Mm Mm-hmm. If you replace that player with a player who scores 15 to 20, I think that incremental improvement makes a big difference. And it's a player that might be more mobile, might be more physically able to play 90 minutes after another. And um, I, I do truly believe that, look, like, I don't think Skamaka would guarantee Arsenal top four. I don't think that Vlahovic would have done that. But would they have got them a lot, or would they get them a lot closer? Probably because that improvement up top is, is super important. In those positions, I think it's super important to improve, even incrementally, if you can. Yeah, no, I, that's fair. I absolutely agree. I just think that people, you know, you, you don't, there's there's always FOMO when it comes to a lot of these strikers, right? Because yeah. people are going to look at Vlahovic last year and saying, wow, you know, Milan, if they only cost up 50 million for him, they would have had for 20 million. <laughs> yeah, only cost up 50 million, but then bitch and fucking, bitch and fucking on the second you get banned from Europe. It's, yeah. They want to have their cake and eat it too. Do you know, do you know the thing though, Matt? It's a really good point because I think people say, oh, it's Vlahovic or bust. It's, um, Sven Botman or bust. It's uh, whoever <laughs> it may be. Or bust. Like if Vlahovic is not our guy, then no one's our guy. Yeah, yeah. But look at what Arsenal did in the summer, right? Again, this isn't an Arsenal podcast, but like we were in for James Madison. We were quoted 60, 70 million pounds, which is a fucking crazy fee. Everyone, it was the, the biggest un- unkept secret in the world that Jack Grealish was going to go to City for a big fee. So everyone was trying to ride the wave of, of selling their English talent for a lot of money. And then we didn't get him, and we got Odegaard for £28 million. What looks a better signing? Clearly Odegaard. So sometimes, just because you don't get your first choice or the choice, it doesn't always mean it's like... Happened happened to literally Milan last January. They wanted Simakin, and everyone was clamoring for it for 15 million euros or whatever the hell it was. And then then they get Fakayo Tomori, who's arguably been a top three center back in the league. So go fuck yourselves. All right. So (laughs) sticking with Serie A, I don't know how they're able to do this. Financial situations are really confusing, but regardless, the move is fantastic. And the final figures are coming in now for 25 million euros with loan to obligation to buy Robin Gosens to enter. Now, one of the better left wing backs in the entire world, probably uh, up there with 1A and 1B with Teo Hernandez and Serie A on the left side. Um, been absent for most of this year. 
Atalanta, again, proving why it's not crucial to have a player like that within their squad. Rejects Newcastle. Shocker. Um, this move for Inter right now, I tweeted out about it on the Proper Football channel. The fullback depth that this club has right now is fantastic. It's without a doubt the best in the league, Matt. You have DiMarco, Perisic for these six months, and then Gosens. On the right side, you have Dumfries, Darmian, and in case of an emergency, you could put in Daniele D'Ambrosio. That right there is title-winning fullbacks. That right there does a lot for Inter. And Matt, for 25 million euros, that's virtually nothing if they get the best of him. He's just 27 at the moment. He's turning 28 this year. I think this is another fantastic job by Inter. And since they're able to spend this, I mean, I can't knock it. I think this is a like a 9 out of 10 transfer. It's just because of the injury issues. I don't give it a 10. Price, player, profile, fit. I mean, everything across the board. This is a home run for Inter. I think it's a good it's a good response too, right? Because I think yes, you're you, you know you look at Inter, they're leading the pack in Serie A. They're I think eleven or twelve points ahead of Juventus, who just are about to get Dusan Vlahovic. So they kind of steal a little bit of thunder there. But it's a it's a it's a good cushy signing where it's obviously going to be a big upgrade for them. He's to your point a, a fine player at that position. Um, workhorse is going to fit that sort of three five two, three, you know, three in the back, you know, wing back type setup that Inzaghi has. Um, and I always look to like, I think everyone's always quick to praise the play that the club that gets the player from Atalanta, but sometimes forgets like, all right, Atalanta are selling him at 27 for 25 million. Maybe they see something different in him that maybe other clubs aren't like, you get what I'm saying? Because they always sell at the, the right time, right? They always are typically selling. They're going to sell Duvan Zapata at the right time. And the team that gets him next, he's not going to be the same player. They're going to do the same with Muriel, I believe. Right. Muriel's going to be gone. So it's weird. I'm not saying this is the case. Again, I like Gozens a lot. I think he was great for, for, for Germany at the world cup too. Um, And I think, I think this is just, again, it's a, it's it's a really good solidifying move for their roster because they got Dumfries and I think he hasn't really settled in as quickly, but you have the luxury of being a team that's always is the favorite for the title and you can ease in Dumfries. Now you have Dumfries, you have Gauzins. You have that nice, strong back line. This is going to make things really interesting um, for Inter going forward if they somehow find a way to get deeper in the Champions League. I think they got Liverpool, right? So um, this is a great player to add to that. But at the very least, I think this really further cements why they're the team to beat um, this year in Italy and going forward. I, I mean, if they if – they, Pat, you, you can agree or disagree with this. If Inter come in and grab another reliable goal scorer this summer, they're winning the next two leagues after this year. It could be Skamaka. He's, he's, dude, Jack they're, gonna, they're just going to do it. Show, show me, like, even if Juve makes the improvements that they make, they still don't get Chiesa back until this time next year, right? You don't know how long it's going to take for him to ease into that squad. Midfield still has issues. Does Delict leave? Then what kind of situation are you looking with, with Chiellini, Bonucci, and Rugani as your other center back? Like, who the fuck is challenging them? Napoli is losing. And Inter are also getting Onana, too. Yeah. yeah. And their weakest Great. positions. Their weakest positions in their 11, they're upgrading on again, which they already upgraded on in once. And they lost the two best players at their positions in the league, and they're still in first, and they're going to win another title. They win this derby after the break. It's over. It's over. People don't get it. Like, this is it. Like, unless there's massive injuries coming, this team is going to win again. And I don't understand how people are trying to sit there and say they're not that great. Look at what they're doing. 
They got off to a very slow start while Napoli and Milan are off to record starts. And look where we are at the end of January, where Inter is with a game in hand, keeping pace. Like, I, like, again, it's just, to me, Morata is easily the best director in football, uh, in, in Serie A, sorry. And I think he's a top five director in football. Like, no doubt about it. Consider your resources, projects, players that you're able to bring in for the amount of money that they cost. How many be- are better? Seriously. I mean, honestly, in hindsight, how amazing does that Lukaku sale look like? Fucking, gen- <laughs> fucking genius. Fucking well, Jekyll, genius. Jekyll has, what, nine goals, four assists, I think, and then uh, Lukaku has five goals. I mean, I know it's tough to compare, but you got a player... Did you, did you see the side-by-side, Matt? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and finish your points. You know the one that's, I'm talking about? That's a really interesting thing for them to look at, right? Because you look at how Inter's plan. This is my my final you know point on, on, on Inter as a project, is that you can very well see them in the summer have Handanovic be unseated and replaced. He might renew as a backup or compete with Onana. Mm-hmm. Now you have a younger Onana on a free transfer. Mm-hmm. Then you ha- could very well see them go in the market for Skamaka and say, hey, you know what? We'll give Jekko another year because he was, pro- he was performing well. But now all of a sudden we have Lautaro Martinez already re-upped. The project's very enticing. He's not going to go anywhere for the next couple of years at least. You put him with Skamaka. You look at their midfield. You look at their back line. If they can keep Devraj, Skriniar, and Bastoni, where's a weak point in this team? They got where Correa you, as well. Losing the Fudeto next year, which has been a, like a real frustrating one for them. He's he's missed a lot. But the side by side, by the way, was Matt um, that I was referring to. Gonzalo Higuain went to Chelsea a couple of years ago, right? Romelu Lukaku at Chelsea right now. Five goals for the both of them. That's all I gotta say. That version of Higuain with. The guy who cost over 100 million euros. I know Pep would appreciate that one. Go ahead, though. I think they also add to the midfield. Um, Sensi doesn't look like he's going to be there long term. Brozovic could leave, though? I think he's re-upping, so they're okay. going to keep him. I wouldn't be shocked if they're in for Kessie. Sorry, go ahead. Sensi's going to Sampdoria, so that... that yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, listen, they're primed to win it again, but that's the funny thing. What's what's the saying or expression on how it goes? If you start looking around the others next to you while you're racing, you're going to trip uh, for what's in front of you, meaning Milan fans should just shut the fuck up and pay attention to their own club and not worry about what other clubs are doing. Because if you try and uh, change up your whole philosophy and put yourself in a pitfall, you'll see what happened in the past 10 years. Um, speaking of former Inter and Inter, um, Christian Eriksen, uh, he wants to return. Um, Serie A, obviously, heavy restrictions in terms of heart conditions and situations regarding that stuff, as we'll wind on down with this final topic. Brentford, pet, um, six month. My thing is this, just just be careful, man. That's all I got to say. Just seriously be careful. And I know there's plenty of great doctors out there that have advised him for this sort of thing. Hmm. Just... Just be healthy. It's a, it's a miracle that he's even able to play again. So yeah. that's pretty much what I have to say for that. For Brentford, I think it's worth the risk. We'll see how Ericsson plays. He obviously struggled when he came to Serie A. Antonio Conte eventually fit him in a proper position um, in that final month stretch, really around this time last year, where he figured him out. And yeah, basically, best of luck to him. Brentford's uh, been one of those clubs that's been very smart about how they do business. So they see the potential risk reward situation here. Pet, how do you think it goes? Six months is not the best. You know, he's got to get back into shape, all those things. I think it's tough. I mean, what I will say is that Brentford have one of the 
best recruitment teams probably in Europe like they have one of the best analytics teams in the world if anyone makes good calculated bets it's them I mean look at the track record they bought Ollie Watkins from I think is it Exeter and then sold him to Villa for 33 million pounds they bought even Tony from Birmingham for was it, 7 million and you know the rumored price for him would be about the same as Ollie Watkins 35 40 45 so they they consistently do really good business now is this going to be one that i think has a big big impact on their season i'm not sure who knows what kind of condition he's in but um you know players have come back from really serious things like i remember silly and Petrov from villa obviously never got back to the to the exact same level but you know never say never he, he can still be potentially a useful asset for them um that is maybe where they're lacking a little bit in the creative elements they're also a very set piece heavy team lots of like very long throws and you know you plug ericsson into that mix where he's launching balls from out wide uh if he drifts into spaces and also from set pieces from dead balls he's one of the best to kind of ever play i think to be honest with you so he he's going to be a good asset for them if he can play um and you know hoping hoping to see him back on a pitch and i think it will be a good and, and big moment for for him and for football yeah it's a win for football if he's able to just play and, and do what he loves without you know being so concerned and obviously they're going to be monitoring but you know just seeing a player like him with you know knowing his, his character his background um and this the kind of the the, the situation that, that that occurred for him just seeing him on the field is a great sight. And I think that's as universally putting aside everyone's fandom, everyone can get behind that and enjoy it. So. What, what I will say is I really expected him to go maybe back to Denmark or back to Holland. Oh uh, yeah. Holland. To, yeah. To, to get some, to get, to get back on the pitch, to go yeah, back to Daily, the I think really I, brave, I, right? It is. I believe Daily Blind uh, had a similar situation or condition with his heart um, where he could only really go back to Ajax and in Holland because they're, they're okay with monitoring some of that stuff. And I believe he was in Serie A, maybe at the time he used to be at Lazio, I believe. Um, I could be wrong. But, yeah, again, best of luck for Christian. We have to wind on down for this episode. Um, so get to plugging, gentlemen. I guess I'll go first. Obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Follow Proper Football on Twitter and all socials at PF 137 p.m., Lots of top content coming. We have a giveaway going on as well. Um, really into the whole stuff, Pat. I, I I don't know if you read the whole thing when I predicted like what players would have NFTs. By the way, I'm not going to get into the John Terry stuff. That I don't even. I'm just not going to touch it. I'm just not going to do it. I'll just bring up his name. That's I. I got nothing to say. So <laughs> Pat, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me, follow me at Pet Barisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. Um, and uh, you can find my newsletter, Sporting Crypto. That's uh, sportingcrypto.com. How many people are you up to now with that? About 850. Let's uh, go. Get him to 1K. Let's go. Let's get him to 1K. <laughs> Santangelo. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Keep it nice and short. <laughs> 